Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Hey, Paul. How's it going, buddy? Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. We finally got snow in Minnesota. Like yesterday, I was I was out walking. It was like 40 and sunny, and then by the afternoon, it was snowing, and uh, the the girls have been outside playing in the snow all day. So, how much nice. did you get? Man, I, probably I don't know half a foot. Good. Yeah. So I had to shovel the driveway this morning. You have so. a snowblower? Well, I've got what four are all of those them. teenage I've got boys four doing? of them, but all of them were gone for the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they probably don't cancel school for six inches up there. Yeah. Actually, they didn't have school, but uh, they all had stuff going on. Mm. But, or actually, uh, two of them. Well, actually, only one of them didn't have school. The others did. So that's where they are. Yeah. But, Whatever. Uh, I left the sidewalks for them so they can do that when they get back. There you go. Yeah. Got to learn right something. Yeah. But, uh, hey, I wanted to share this email we got from a client. Um, pretty cool. He had actually written us not too long ago about a friend of his who was just diagnosed. And she was like probably younger than us. Just diagnosed. In her 30s. With, She's in her 30s. Yeah. With cancer and, you know, didn't have any insurance. And he's just like, man, I can't imagine like being in that position. And he was thankful that that he his entire family has insurance. And then, life insurance, life insurance, right, right. So uh, whole life policies, uh, right. So he wrote us just a couple of days ago, and like you know, a month after that first email, and he said, hey, good morning. A few weeks ago, I wrote you about my friend who's diagnosed with a benign brain tumor. Okay, brain tumor, not cancer, and the fact that. She's in her mid-30s and needing brain surgery to remove it. I wrote how fragile life can be. Uh, I wrote to you that I was very thankful at that time for life insurance for myself and my family. Well, last night, this now extends closer to home. My 10-year-old son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. He's doing well, but we're learning how to cope with this new diagnosis that will unfortunately affect him for the rest of his life. We're learning, as we are learning our new normal, I can't help but be thankful that we put in force a life insurance contract for him six months ago when he was healthy. Moreover, he has those life insurance additional riders, which is the option to purchase additional insurance that you can put on juvenile policies that he can renew every couple of years beginning at age 22. If memory serves, he does not need to do a medical clearance for these additional riders. Correct. This will be one aspect of his life that he will never have to worry about. Thank you. Um, Then he just talks about how grateful he is to discover infinite banking and and start working with us. And... uh, Said, I'm beyond the moon thankful to have met you and Paul. I thank you for your guidance on this journey. So pretty, pretty awesome testimony. And and what a great message to receive from a client that, you know, had had he waited another six months, um, or had we been like, ah, you don't need life insurance on the kids. No big yep. deal. You can wait. They're young. There's always tomorrow. Like, yep. The kid would would be unable or very, very difficult to get insured with a substandard rating, right? Yeah. We talked about this the other day. I think that there's very little reason. It takes very little premium to insure a child, a juvenile. And I think that everybody should have dividend paying whole life insurance policies on their children, if, if able. 
Uh, it's a very small cost. You can design the policy any way you want, um, and it provides them tremendous value. And if something were to occur, you know, they've got pretty ample death benefit for very little premium compared yeah. to like a 50-year-old man with diabetes or something. Yeah, uh, and that death benefit's so, going to continue to rise as, that's right. as he gets older. So now not only is he insured for the rest of his life, but his future children are are going to be taken care of. Like he, that's yeah. something he won't have to worry about. And it's all because his dad had the foresight um, and, and the ability to do that. Yeah. I want to talk about that rider real quick. <clears throat> you know, in the industry, it's called the OPI. It's O-P-A-I, right? Option to purchase additional insurance. We had them, uh, Tammy and I had OPIs. So we had like, like 50,000 increments every, every three years uh, when we were like young lieutenants and we exercised most of those OPIs mm -hmm. over the years. And, um, you know, at the time I was just like, again, different mindset, looked at it. Oh, I'm just adding more costs to my monthly, you know, my monthly lifestyle here, more whole life insurance. Yeah. Uh, but in, 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 in this case with the right product with dividend paying whole life and being able to add that insurance without a, let's face it, best case table F rider or table F rating, excuse me. Um, as a, as a type one diabetic or on insulin diabetic, uh, it's my gosh. So appreciate, appreciate the email and, and just so thankful that it worked out. And again, Dave, that's one of those stories that, you know, you never hear from these, you know, these financial entertainers, it's always going to be great. Just buy a term and invest the difference. And, you know, we've brought up a few cases lately where that would have, that would have led to failure. Yeah. In unnecessary pain for, for, for a family. And I'm sure it often does because it's a stupid, it's a stupid idea, but yeah, you know, here we are. Yeah, it would. And, you know, we're just focusing on the death benefit, like how important that is in, in this situation and really in every yeah. situation, but not to mention the cash value that, that this 10 year old boy is going to be growing over the next 10 or 15 years until his dad decides to transfer the policy to him if he wants to. And all that cash value build up that it's going to be the best savings account he could ever get where every dollar he puts in is creating far more than $1 in cash value every year by the time he takes yeah, it over. Without question. Yeah. Yep. So pretty, pretty incredible. <clears throat> so yeah, if you guys have any stories or uh, um, any personal examples, feel free to share them with us and, and we'll share them with, with the the listeners here. So, um, well, all right. So we wanted to talk today, um, something that we have conversations about with clients pretty often. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of disagreement on, on this amongst even infinite banking concept practitioners, uh, which is fine. We don't all need to be thinking exactly the same. Um, but there's, there's an option typically in the, in, in year one, of funding your policy where you can pay more above and beyond the annual premium. Like as a, it's called a lump sum or some people call it just a, a dump in, or, you know, just imagine a, a, a dump truck, just dumping a big pile of dirt on top of a, a bigger, a big pile of dirt, like just making it bigger in the first year. <clears throat> piles and piles of sweaty wads Sweat. of dripping wet cash, <laughs> perhaps. Yep. Shout out to episode three, I think. Yeah, episode yeah. three, I think. <laughs> yeah. So we want to talk about the pros and cons because, frankly, this is a 
a strategy that I've, I've used with a lot of clients where, um, hey, we, we figure out what the premium is going to be every year going, uh, you know, annually. And then what else do you have available that's just sitting in somebody else's bank? And how do we put that to work? Sure. Um, so let's talk, you know, exactly what is that, that lump sum? So why don't you explain what, what that lump sum actually is when we're talking, you know, what, what is it doing for you? Sure. Well, first and foremost, it's company dependent. You know, all the mutual companies that offer that are, you know, have dividend paying whole life insurance products, you know, some of them have one whole life product. Some of them have five, you know, in everything in between, uh, not all of them allow this use of it. And it's going to be PUA premium, right? right. It's a lump sum of PUA premium. And we're talking in this particular instance, I think, Dave, we're talking about just year one. Talking yeah, about just year one. Year one premium. Hey, we've set your annual premium with your base and your PUA, but also you can add in more PUA premium on top of that, but just one time in the first year. In the first 12 months of the policy's life, you can add this additional premium. So that's, that's what it is. Um, and it's available for some companies um, to do. Yeah. So, so there you go. Big so, chunk of PUA premium. A big chunk of PUA. Premium you're already paying is basically so, in short what it is. Right. So let's talk the pros to that. What's, you know, there's, there's a lot of advantages to that. There's some cons as well that we'll mention, but for pros, yep. um, that PUA, that lump sum payment, you know, greater than 90% of that is captured as really shows up as cash value. So purchases a little bit of death benefit and then the majority shows up as um, cash value. So what does that do? That increases the the amount of liquidity you have year one. Um, it creates a large pool of capital that you can start accessing um, for whatever it is you need to access it for. Um, so yeah, it kind of starts you off with, with just a bigger pool of capital. So. Yeah. And it's, we always kind of say like your money has to reside somewhere. What better place than here? And then the debate becomes... All right, guys. Well, I do have this large lump sum that I'd like to get somewhere else other than the bank. How do I get it there? Mm -hmm. And this is a way you could do a large single lump sum of PUA premium. Yeah. And I, I think some people argue against this. Uh, some practitioners or, or people who promote infinite banking may argue against this from a couple different angles, which some can be valid. Um, you know, yeah, some people... Sure. Think, you know, if you do that, you're just trying to minimize the amount of premium you pay. You're just trying to intentionally pay less annual premium and try to get all the advantages of infinite banking immediately without having to wait to capitalize and have sure. the patience and think long range and all of that, which could be very true uh, for and, some people. Yeah. It, and it's very true out in the wide, wide world of financial entertainers. People quote, doing infinite banking, right? right? They're not, they're not doing IBC, they're doing something else, but it's promoted as dump all the money in here, squeeze the base down to almost nothing so that, you know, two weeks from now, you can take it all back out and go, you know, put money into that apartment complex deal or whatever. Right. Exactly. So it gets a bad, it, it's promoted poorly. 
You know, it's a poor use of of how to, to get people interested in infinite banking. They right. they focus on the the number, the liquidity, the, the, the that amount. early liquidity. Exactly, yeah, it's a marketing ploy. Yeah, and you know they'll argue that it's not, but it it is. Yeah, so I think that's where a lot of uh, practitioners and people who remain true to infinite banking have a bad taste in their mouth about this strategy, about using that lump sum feature because um, they think that's what people are looking for. And maybe that is in their experience, what people are looking for when they ask to do that. In my experience, I've had very few people that I've ever talked to that became clients who even knew that that was a strategy. Sure. You could add more than the annual premium until I I brought it up because their situation, um, it made sense. Sure. A lot of people they'll bring up the the ten ninety right, or sometimes called the ninety ten depending. I always put the base first, then the PUA. So ten base, ninety PUA. I think it makes. Yeah. I think it makes more sense doing that. But, uh, and I think that's kind of where that where that that viewpoint comes from is, you know, oh, I break even in year three versus year five or whatever or year yeah. ten or you know, and that's the. That's the only argument that matters is when does the policy start breaking even? And then what does it cumulatively break even? Right. I don't mention, I don't remember Nelson mentioning that at all in the 92 pages of Becoming Your Own Banker, but I guess maybe he was just too old fashioned and not advanced enough to notice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> says, says some people. Yeah. So at my biggest um, positive for implementing the strategy is the fact that, like you said, your money has to reside somewhere which is mm-hmm. what Nelson said. So if it's not residing in your policy, then my assumption is it's residing in somebody else's bank, right? And if this is a way to get that cash into your policy right away, instead of it residing in somebody else's bank, um, then I'm all for it, assuming that they're not trying to minimize the amount of premium they pay you know, um, by just overfunding with a big lump sum in the first year. So, and you also, when you take that money out of somebody else's bank, you're removing cash from the fractional reserve banking system, right? So those banks no longer have the ability to, to 10 X your money out of thin air and (laughs) loan it to somebody else. So you're doing a benefit for, for the whole country. (laughs) Yeah. You're no longer contributing to the problem as much, are you? Right. Exactly. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I, and I like capturing cash permanently in my policy before I spend it. So if I had, um, well, let's go back to the premium because like I said, the big con for most practitioners is that people are trying to minimize the premium. I think you and I are both on the same page where the first place we start is let's figure out what annual premium you're going to commit to. Is appropriate. That's right. Yeah. What's appropriate for you? What's manageable? What's meaningful? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think... The appropriate premium for somebody that's that's meaningful, maybe even makes them sweat a little bit because they don't fully understand yet what we're trying to do here, um, is important because they think in the for certain in the long run, folks, paying a higher annual premium. Let's say if it was even a difference between, you know, a, a massive lump sum and a smaller annual premium but you you were comfortable with doing a higher annual premium without with in you know, foregoing the lump sum like putting the cash somewhere else and we'll talk, we're going to get into that a little bit of where you could put the that cash other than a commercial bank um the long 
the long-term look of that policy is going to be better. You're going to have more permanent death benefit. You're going to ultimately have more cash value. The policy is just going to be bigger all along. It's going to be it's going to be better. It's going to be more. Um, it's going to have a better foundation actually as well. So yeah, um, that's a great yeah. way to put it. A, a better foundation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what I mean, my strategy is first let's figure out that premium, and then I ask, hey, what cash do you have sitting around in somebody else's bank on top of this premium? Or you can forecast, you can actually plan for a windfall and say, like yes. I talk with a lot of pilots and they have contract renegotiations. When they get a new contract, they get all this back pay because they usually backdate those contracts. So they, they're they coming into a lump sum of cash. Well, hey, you have 12 months to make this lump sum payment. Let's forecast what does the next 12 months look like and how much cash are you going to be able to accumulate over the next 12 months? And do we want to save that cash up for next year's premium payment to pay it all, you know, uh, the full annual payment on the anniversary. That may be one strategy you want to partake in, or do you want to switch to monthly payments at that point? You can do that, but let's forecast over the next 12 months. How much are you going to be able to save up? Like we could build some room in the policy for that to capture that in year one. Yeah. Assuming that you're still able to maintain um, the ability to pay that premium in year two and beyond whatever premium we decided. That's right. And the underwriters are going to ask that question too. (laughs) Yeah. Where is this premium coming from? I noticed that the premium that you have set is beyond 20% of this person's, you know, liquid net worth or or their annual income. Right. So, yeah. uh, So, so obviously, we're, the premium is going to be set appropriately for your income level, anyway. Yeah. Um, and there are yeah. there are restrictions on how much you can pay and how much you can add as a lump sum, having to do with you know your your annual pay and your liquid net worth. Um, but we don't need to get into those details. Typically, if you got some extra cash laying around in somebody else's bank, my recommendation more often than not is let's move that into your policy. Because now your dollars have run through your policy before you go use them for something else. Yeah, and and you've you've addressed you know you've got a death benefit need perhaps not every I should say you're not buying life insurance without death benefit but maybe there's an additional death benefit need that you that you that you have like hey I'd like to be at this level right out of the gate and maybe this person doesn't want to have a separate term policy for whatever reason you know people like things neat and tidy I want one policy that I can just look at. And, and as understanding increases, then they can expand and adjust as the years tick by. But right. um, that lump sum is going to purchase a, you know, in this particular case with the company that we primarily write with, it's going to create a large amount of death benefit, depending on how big the lump sum is and how old you are and your health rating. And, um, you know, you said earlier, it's going to be, it's going to be very liquid. But again, that death benefit is going to be temporary. It's going to be a term rider that rides on top of the policy. And the reason it's there is so that the policy is not considered a modified endowment contract or mech. We're trying to, we not trying to, we want to avoid the policy becoming a mech because it defeats most of the reasons for doing this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you're getting into the cons now. So th- that is a, a yeah. con is that it does require your death benefit to be increased through a term rider, which adds more expense that doesn't go yep. towards permanent death benefit and doesn't go towards cash value. Correct. Could be a little bit of a drag depending on how much term there is, right? Right. Be, yeah. 
It could be. But then I also counter that argument with, is it ever bad to have more life insurance? Nope. So. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, <laughs> how much life insurance would your wife want you to have? Right. Well, there's no number. It's as much as you could possibly get. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be my counter to that argument, but that is a con that, yeah, you, yeah. you're paying for more time than maybe, yeah. yeah, it's an extra cost involved to pay build for the room. Anyway. Right. Because yeah. there's no free lunches in life insurance. There's only trade-offs. If you want to add more cash in the beginning, you got to trade off with spending more on term insurance. Yes. It is. Yeah. That, and that's what this whole discussion is. It's just a series of trade-offs. And as, as long you know, us as practitioners, as long as we're able to explain those trade-offs, the plus, which we're doing here, obviously, the pros and cons. Um, so, yeah, it's really, it depends. This whole thing, it depends. It depends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. And right. anybody who is adamantly against or for one, you know, this aspect, this strategy, the lump sum, then I'd question, I, I'd question them because they're thinking one size fits all. That's my opinion. I think there's a case that could be made for either side in any given situation, but it's all up to, it's dependent on your situation. Right. Yeah. And if you come to us and say, I want to pay $200,000 lump sum and $10,000 of, or $20,000, we, we might have a discussion um, because I think your annual premium is too small relative to the cash you're bringing to the table. Yeah. And I'm going to show you why. Yeah. Um, anyway. So what's another con to to adding that lump sum? Yeah. So with that with that temporary death benefit that that PUA premium is purchasing, you are and again, do you plan on making more money? Great. Then maybe this does this statement doesn't apply to you, but you're eating up your insurability. So we all have a set human life value, and that's based on our age and how much money we make. And they'll generally you know, if you get, if you're asking for huge policies, they're, they're looking for tax returns and stuff like that. But generally for people, hey, how much, what's your income? What's, what's, the, you know, the last year's income, this year's income. Okay. Average that out. And over the next year, you know, 30 years old. So over the next 35 years, you know, your human life value is 35 times whatever your annual pre, uh, income is. So yeah. by, by constantly buying high PUA policies, you are you're buying a crap load of temporary death benefit and you're eating up your insurability so that it could happen where you go to expand your system to accommodate more income perhaps, or maybe a windfall that you didn't anticipate. And right. now this company won't write more insurance on you. Yeah, you or any company do, because you're- Or any company. Yeah. Because they ask- You hit your human life value. That's right. So, yeah. So that's- that is a con, right? We want to be able to expand our system when we want to expand our system. Yeah. See okay. our episode on convertible term for that one. Yeah. I want to say 18, but I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, I think uh, well, another con is, like we kind of already mentioned, it could promote poor habits. If somebody's intention mm. is to minimize the premium you, quote, have to pay going forward. Like, how much do I have to pay? How can I sidestep that? How can I create a shortcut here and just put a, a ton in right now so I don't have to do much later? You don't understand the concept. You just yep, you, you don't. simply don't. Nope. You're violating so, several rules. Think wrong, think long range. Don't be afraid to capitalize. And you're probably gonna steal the peas. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. <Right. laughs> yeah. So, you know, but we would we would figure that out in the first conversation. Yeah, whether no that was the, the situation or not. And then yeah, advise you to get more educated. <clears throat> Yep. It, yeah. I, I, you know, I personally, we personally have a problem with 
with all of that. And, uh, you know, I guess you get to a certain point where you're, it, it matters because we know what right looks like, I think, Dave, and it matters, you know, your policy design matters, despite what some people might say. It's, it's, it's important. Um, your ability to pay future P-Way premium is directly correlated to how much base premium you're paying every year. Yeah. If you don't pay any base, you're going to restrict how much PUA you can pay over the long term, which defeats, I, I don't know, to me, it defeats the purpose of being able to pay a premium, but whatever. Right. Because 10 years from now, are you still going to be having, are you still going to be making an income? You're going to be bringing money in 10 years from now? Is it going to be less or more than you're making right now? Like in my case, it's going to be more than I'm making right now. And yes, yeah. I'm going to be bringing in an income 10 years from now. So I want the ability to pay a lot of premium at that point. Yes. Um, and I want to not have to keep going through underwriting all the time. Right. Which is why we both have pretty large convertible term policies that we can start picking off that death benefit and create new whole life policies whenever we, we need to mm -hmm. without having to go through underwriting. So that's a big time saver. Yep. And a big, uh, uh, we transfer the risk to the company once again of our health declining. Yeah. It's almost like it's, that's like the whole idea of insurance is to transfer risk. I think hundred percent. I read that. I heard that somewhere risk transfer. Somebody's taking the risk in this equation. It's not us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one other con is, it, you know, if you use all this PUA room up at the beginning, you're going to have less PUA room later on because the policies are mech tested. And eventually you're going to hit the point where, Hey, if you put any more PUA in, you're going to mech the policy. So it gets, it gets cut down. So you right. kind of, and I think we hit on that where you may have less ability to fund premium later on because you used it up in the beginning. Yeah. And I think for people practicing IBC, you get accustomed to this lifestyle of paying high premium relative to your income. And I feel like it's going to be a disappointment once you're no longer able to pay that premium, right? We have some clients that pay some fairly substantial premiums, six figure premiums, and, and it doesn't matter. Add as many zeros as you want. It's all relative to where you are in life. Right. Um, but if you go from being able to pay X premium and now you can only pay, you know, 20% of that entire premium, now you're going to be looking for, where do I put this money? <laughs> yeah. Now you're starting from scratch. So anyway. Yep. Then you start from scratch, but you'll likely have plenty of insurable interest that, that you could still do this. Sure. Of course. Um, even if it's not on you. So, um, you know, what this comes down to in my mind is what's the most productive use of your capital? So you got all this money sitting in somebody else's bank. Maybe you got a hundred grand saved up, but you're not able to fund a hundred thousand dollars every year for the ongoing from, you know, here forward, right? That would be a stretch, but you have the ability to fund 50,000 a year, every year. Okay. So we designed the policy around 50,000 a year. And then with that extra 50 that's hanging out in the bank, we could look at what, what does that do if we add that to this policy through the lump sum feature in year one? Yep. So. Yeah. And there's, and there's things that we can do folks when we're designing these to kind of offset that term drag that we talked about, um, you know, maintaining the ability to pay that higher premium for as long as possible. So there are things that we can do. So don't, don't think that we're saying, you know, if you have a lump sum, you know, this is like the worst thing ever. It's, it's, a, it's a great problem to have. It's just we're going to lay out the options for you on 
hey, here are some things that you can do. Here's a way, here's another way, and here's the pluses and minuses of both. And we will we will do that as we do. Yeah. And, and we'll give you a recommendation for your situation. Here's what I for recommend. Sure. Um, yeah. And then we can figure it out together. Right. Um, so <clears throat> now there's, we talked about, oh, your, your money's either in your policy or it's in somebody else's bank. Now there is a way that you can actually put all of that money into the, with the insurance company, even if it doesn't go into your policy right away. Right. right. Now, and what, <laughs> What do we refer to that as? Yeah, so some of the companies, or maybe even most of them, have something called a premium deposit fund. And there's various types, and they function in various ways, depending on, but the one that we're going to refer to is from a specific company, uh, and they have something called the PDF Max. And where you can get 10 years of illustrated premium into a policy right up front. Um, And that thing is currently paying 5%. Um, but basically what it does is it, it gives you a discount on, gives you more bang for your buck. So given a certain premium dollar, you're going to end up with more, more death benefit than you, than you would have, I guess, is a, for the same dollar, because you're giving that money all right now. And the company likes that, right? Cause they can put that money to work. So you benefit mm-hmm. tremendously, um, for that. There's a good article out there that we can maybe link, um, yeah, about it. Yeah, if, if you that's wanna... something. Sure, if that's yeah. something that, that that might fit your situation. And so, let's say you had a uh, a million, or call it a hundred thousand dollars, right? And you were gonna, you're like, well, I want to do ten thousand a year because that's really what you know what what I qualify for. I've saved up, or I just have a windfall of a hundred thousand uh, dollars. You could put all hundred thousand into the PDF writer, the premium mm-hmm. deposit fund. It's kind of like putting it in a savings account. And the company will draft from that account every single year to pay your premium for 10 full years. So you don't pay anything else out of pocket. It all comes from that account. But really what's going to happen, it's probably going to be at the end of 10 years, you're probably going to get more like $125,000 of premium because you earn 5%, like Paul said, but it's kind of like you earn in quotes, your earnings comes in the form of discounted premium. So your premium is cheaper. Therefore, you can get the same amount of death benefit or uh, you, you can put more money into there over that 10 years than what you put into that that PDF account. So like I said, you yeah. put 100K in there, that might feed you a premium of 12,000 a year for 10 years. Yeah, just more bang for your buck. More bang for your buck. Otherwise, there's no reason we wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> it right. looks great. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. <laughs> right, but- it looks fantastic. Yeah, so I had an example, and and this is not for everybody. I'd say right. it's, it's rare. Ra- it's rare. I'd say it's maybe rare one, when I would one out of every it. one in a hundred, maybe. Yeah, it's right? rare. Like it's so it could be maybe you have a, a a big lump sum. You just had a windfall or sold a business, sold a business, sold, sold an some asset, real estate. Yeah, yep. and you've got a lot of money. Well, you want to fund this policy, but your cash flow situation year to year is is still kind of tight. Well. Instead of you know putting whatever that that uh, windfall you have, and you know you have a lot of options on where to put that. But let's say you decide, hey, I, I really want to get behind this IBC concept, but I don't want to have to pay out of pocket every single year right now. So for the first ten years, I'm going to put this chunk over into this account and let that pay. And then by year eleven, I'll be in a position where I can start funding that premium. Or 
year 11, maybe my dividends cover the minimum required premium anyway, and I still don't have to pay anything out of pocket. Yeah, and they and they will. Yeah, they, they typically will. Yep. Um, it's not guaranteed. Dividends aren't guaranteed, but you know, history says, yeah, that should be yeah, able to cover likely your minimum premium. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> it It's a great, and I know you just did one, Dave, which is fantastic. And it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's a rare, rare usage. Uh, but I think in a certain instance, it's a great option. And it's, we talked about this before we hit record. It's, you know, you have, you know, put it in a life insurance policy or put it in somebody else's bank. But there's this like third option where it's like, it's not in your policy yet, but it's benefiting your policy in the long run. And it's, it, it, it to tell you, it looks tremendous. Yeah, and, it, uh, it really does. And, and it's out of sight, out of mind. So that cash is still liquid, meaning you can go pull it out if you ever yes. want to. You just can't put it back in. You can't put it back in. Right. So once you pull it out, it's out. And you got to start paying out of pocket for right. the premium. But right. it's kind of nice to have cash that's out of sight, out of mind. You're like, okay, that's taken care of. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> I don't gonna... have to think about it. Yeah. And it's going to prevent me from doing dumb things. It's going to prevent I mean Parkinson's just, law. And, and Parkinson's law from just creeping in like, ooh, look at that shiny object over there or this opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Everything's uh, an opportunity. Yeah. But yeah, it does. Because now you don't have a hundred grand sitting in a checking account that you can log in and look at daily and be like, hmm, I got that hundred grand. I'll, I'll just take the peas out the back door. Um, and I'm sure I'll make up for it later. I'll repay it later. No, you won't. Right. So it'd be interesting to know how many people, you know, how often that specific rider gets used. Uh, you know, it's, it can't be, it can't be much, but I mean, yeah, I'd say you're probably right. One out of a hundred. That sounds about right for me, uh, with my clients, you know, one example, you know, somebody who's nearing retirement, they just sold a, a house and they have a ton of you know, equity in that house. And maybe they're going to downsize or go, you know, live in their, uh, their, their, their RV. cabin or their RV, go travel the country. And they're conservative, very conservative. They don't want to put it on the market. They're not big investors. They're not, they're not involved in real estate or anything else like that. This is a great option for them because not only is that funding their premium, but every year it funds our premium. They have access to the cash value that just created if they need it for anything. Yeah, of course. So, Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great option for IBC for sure. Yeah. In certain, Um, certain, certain certain cases. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys want to learn more about that, just hit us up. I just, I do like it. It's just an alternative to creating a ton of term insurance with a massive, massive lump sum onto a policy. I think it is a great alternative to at least explore with somebody to, hey, this is how you can get money with the life insurance company and, you know, set it and forget it. So, yeah. Right. So yeah, different, uh, different scenarios require different strategies. So it's not one size fits all. Um, it's not a yes for everybody. It's not a no for everybody. So we're not, we're not, um, dogmatic about it one way or the other. It depends on your situation. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll lay out the pros and cons for you. Uh, or you could listen to this episode and, and we'll see if it works out. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that covered it. So cool. Um, maybe next week you can give us an update on the construction loan. See if, uh, the battle of the banks has, has made a decision. For yeah, it's you. getting, yeah, it's getting <laughs> close, man. I had a conversation with uh, one of them today who, who I want to give my business. Yeah. And I told him that 
I said, but in the end, I'm going to do what's best for me and my family. Um, but I told them I, 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 you know, he's a professional and it's rare nowadays to run into a, a professional. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, that you're like, wow, he's good at his job. It's incredible. That's sad that it's a surprise when people are good at their jobs now. Yeah, I know it. Um, I've been lucky in the past, you know, the, the our water softener, this brings up a memory of our, our water softener, reverse osmosis guy in El Paso, Texas, the guy who introduced Tammy and I to that life, which what, folks, if you don't have a water softener <laughs> or reverse osmosis, <laughs> your water's terrible. I need to it talk is. to you. You're such a water snob. I need to talk to you about it's, the reverse osmosis though. You can't live without it. I let's, can't live let's without talk it. talk offline. But anyway, um, professional. So yeah. at any rate- Thanks and for those listening. are the kind of people you want to recommend. Yes, right? absolutely. I yeah. don't. I'm not getting paid by Puronics <laughs> or <Yeah>. whoever. <laughs> yeah, uh, those are kind of the, those are the best clients, the referral clients. That's right. So, all right. Well, cool. We'll talk to you guys next week, and until then, control your capital, or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.